Is it Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan. He's your host, Lucas Hare. He's your host, Carrie Shale. But he's our special guest, performer and writer Christopher Green. I ain't saying you treated me unkind. You could have done better, hey, but I don't mind. You just kind of wasted my precious time. But don't think twice. It's all right. Christopher Green. That was lovely. Thank you. Welcome. Um, Why did you choose those lines? We asked you to choose some lines. Why those? Because um, it's a song that I think I heard lots and lots of times, loads of different versions, before I kind of went, oh, that's a Bob Dylan song. Oh, wow, that's interesting. And then that sort of, then I kind of unpacked it a little bit. Um, And then I'm like, oh, I can see why that would be a Dylan song. But I kind of thought it was, I think I probably heard it like, Indigo Girls first, and then it sort of worked its way through to different things. And then Joan Byers, who I love, Joan Byers, and then I kind of thought maybe it was hers, and then I actually found out that it wasn't, which is like a brilliant mistake to make Mm. if you think that it might have been Joan Byers and not Dylan. Anyway, so I thought that was a kind of an interesting way in, and it might affect what we talk about later. But also it's like, you know, we all should be questioning who's wasting our precious time in this this modern world. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by by Dylan. I have an interesting relationship with him, and I thought it was quite fun to come on and talk about that, and maybe in a slightly different way. And also, you can tell me why I should be wasting my precious time on him. On him, we should tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. There you go. Gosh, Um, 
while you're out of your head, who's making the bed? You know, it's a good provocation of a mm, song. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, so I was like, I don't like him because he represents all those things that, mm. that I don't like. You know, Did you learn like more him. about him through, through this before actually ingesting his music then, do you think? Do you think you built this think, impression? Yes, I think I'd built up that impression and then it's taken me ages to sort of work my way back. Yeah. Does that make sense? It and does. so in a way when, you know, when this was mentioned to me, I was like, oh yeah, I have a kind of problematic relationship with him, but actually there's lots of songs that I relate to and then things that I just cut myself off from because I go, oh no, no, he's the voice of the patriarchy and he can't even sing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That would yeah. that would be my sort of like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Know, well, like certainly holding for yeah everybody and anybody can say he can't sing. That's like absolutely an easy we thing to that. say. But yeah. um, I always thought he was the voice of the patriarchy yeah. too, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his attitudes to women were, you know, questionable. Mm. Uh, but then he's so much bigger than that. Ultimately, yeah, sure. And then there's that whole thing of like, should can, should we overlook biography? In order, you know, is biography inherent to our liking or disliking somebody? And I think that's very interesting. And and if we get an insight into a different mindset from our own, then that's incredibly valuable. Um, So yeah, it's kind of it's an interesting little because these days it's it's spread to you know film producers and directors and other actors Mm. or or whoever. So it's and you become. Yeah, and, and, and that's such an incredibly pop- problematic uh, discussion, you know, mm. like, can you have a career if you're going to behave badly? Well, you know, n- no, in in many instances. But, you know, ultimately, we people have to um, take responsibility for their for their own actions. Also, when people were in a very different time. So I don't, mm. I don't know. So what pulled, did something pull you back? Did you spend years not listening to him? And uh, yes, definitely. And then um, I think I... I then started to to just join up, like we were saying, that's why I picked Don't Think Twice It's All Right, and just like go, oh, yeah, he wrote that song, and I really like that song. Mm. So actually, oh, maybe I should kind of look look at that a little, uh, a little bit more and then go, yeah, that's a really great song. Wow. And then I'll go back to the original and then sort of like get over my the things that I think I don't like, my prejudices. So yeah. basically mm. it's, it's about can we overcome our prejudices? Mm. Mm. And know? there are lots of different versions of that song. I, so I, many. I grew yeah. up with Johnny Cash's version, which right. yeah. um, Understand Your Man as well is basically Don't Think Twice It's All Right, isn't it? Before yeah. he recorded it. Mm. So yeah, it was kind of yeah, in the yeah. air around then. But there's, I mean, Dolly Parton's done it, hasn't she? And loads of people. I mean, yeah, it seems like everyone's had a crack at it, doesn't yeah. it? And so it's did, wonderful. Did you see Dylan live? That's always something that... No, I haven't seen Dylan live. And have you been tempted or just... No, I definitely... So I used to work in the in music industry a long t- long time ago. Oh, when yes. I was in early 20s, so I worked on a program called The Word. Oh, yes. I was the music researcher on The Word. Oh, I did a thing with Katie Puckrick, actually. Did you? Last year. Yeah, she oh, was great. Oh, she is great. But she was pissed off because people kept saying, you're very 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's not. She's still alive and yeah, she's, she's not 80s. She looks yeah. great. But uh, Yeah, and it was the 90s anyway. Yeah, oh, was it the 90s? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, it's still, 90s. but it is a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, tell me. And so I kind of worked in there and there was no way. So I would have undoubtedly been offered tickets to go to go and see him and at that time I'd have been like are you kidding me yeah. then there's a, yeah then there's another I think there's another way that Dylan worked hard to redeem himself with me which I know has been keeping him away <laughs> yes, yes. Um, he's written about it yeah. <laughs> which is through Roy Orbison who I love oh yeah so that whole kind of George Harrison Roy Orbison remind me what they're called they travelling wilbur travelling wilbur exactly yeah. Yeah. Um, and that whole kind of win and I'm just like oh wow this is so great so I can't just like pretend I don't hear the lines that he sings 
you know. Well, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge Tom Petty fan or, or a huge Jeff Lynne fan, but I have yes. to just, you know, when I'm listening yeah, to Charlie and Wilburys, I go, well, it's, it's all okay, you know. Good enough for the big O. Yeah, doesn't, exactly. Yeah. Doesn't Tom Petty and Dylan, don't they sort of like sing a lot of songs on... What's that? What, what, supply the words, please. Oh, God. We are the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible game. You know, uh, I'm so tired of being lonely. Handling yeah. But George Harrison so wrote that. Everybody got somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But don't those two sing together on that. They yeah, yeah, both got yeah, some yeah. gravelly yeah. kind of voices. Yeah, I think. yeah. I think so did that pull you in? You were pulled because back I was, in. By I was the pulled back, and I was like, I don't know what I feel about this because you know, I quite like it. But I mean, because it's totally inoffensive as a it, none of the songs you know that you can't really I think get offended by Traveling Wilburys. No, absolutely, and they they're really yeah. I mean, it's just oozes um, elegance and class and, and expertise yeah. and all of that. So, you know, nobody could uh, nobody could put up any barriers to that. Yeah. And then what did, he do, what did he do after you would know this? After the Traveling Wilburys, yeah, 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 Mercy, next. and then another Traveling Wilburys album. Um, okay, so well, O Mercy. Yeah. Were, you, were you on board for O Mercy? No, I, sa- no I wasn't. Who, with who? Uh, well, Daniel Lanois produced yeah, it. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's got this swampy New Orleans kind of I think I, So I was aware of it, and of course I loved the album that he produced with um, Emmylou Harris. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So yeah, this is like Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball, which yeah, is just wonderful. amazing. So you see, then, you see, I, I denied myself... The, the thing this the is what stuff. it's like and Emily Harris of course is on Desire you, yes you know, I do yeah. as, well. as long as I've got a way in I'm fine there's little touchstones yeah and I kind I'm, of want to do some sort of weird metaphor about you like when you're in an orgy with a friend and you don't look in their face but you know what I mean I was sort of like I will ignore them. but that metaphor doesn't work but you know what I mean it's sort of like I can ignore I can ignore you as long as I'm not confronted by your presence so you were never mm. influenced by, by Dylan's kind of shape-shifting his identity I was aware of I mean, you know, everybody's aware of all of that yeah. um, and the you know the, the the reinvention and, and, and everything. But but for my work, yeah. def, definitely not. Because that's what I assume. Because when I yeah. you know, looked into your work, and it's the, the range is enormous. Mm. And there are, there are lots of different identities. And they go off at real tangents from, yeah. from others. And I was preparing, thinking... We're going to talk to Christopher. He's a Bob Dylan fan. This must be why. You know, this this must be <laughs> yeah, the natural yeah, connection. Something. But no, I'm totally wrong. But also, I've um, only recently, weirdly, in the last kind of four or five years, come come to Bowie, which is really strange. Like, what yeah, was I doing? I was obsessed with music. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, I didn't have. I'm I'm the oldest. I didn't really have anyone older than me, sort of like saying you should. You really need to listen to Bowie. So mm. I kind of I was like. I kind of went, oh wow, China Girl, that's great, yeah. you know, which is like the wrong time for coming into the So that I like China kind of, Girl. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 China I'm good. Yeah, exactly. so brilliant. Yeah, it's great, but it's not, you know. Yeah, maybe not. But so I wasn't really influenced by that kind of thing. No. I think I, I think I always just had a sort of instinct that if you're going to be a, an artist in however you define that, then you should just do what interests you. Yeah, and if you're not following what you're interested in then then you're not really making work mm. but that's probably why I'm in the situation I am where I'm just doing loads of disparate things yeah but when um, you did Tina C mm. Were you into country music? Yeah. So yeah. were you into old old country as opposed to I was in so I country. um after I worked on the word I did quite a few other pop music shows um and I went to Nashville to make a um, a country music documentary in like 1993 without knowing anything about country music yeah. really and I completely fell in love with like new country mm-hmm. and was just you know, there was like a revelation. I was like, this is my music, you know. And um, so, yeah, 
um, mainly not a surprise, but you know, um, Reba McIntyre and um, Winona Judd and people, and mm-hmm. those kind of new country women, um, which then just immediately when I started performing, just was like, oh, I'll just be one of them, yeah. and they just mm-hmm. made somebody who was like that, which was which was Tennessee. So. I so I definitely was a country music fan and I still am a country music fan and I love I, I keep up with kind of new country even though it's like massively overproduced and you know all of that so that's yeah I have I have a kind of real love hate relationship with that what do you make of uh, Miranda Lambert just off because I, I think she's great yeah yeah I really really love her and um, I will, I'll, I'll happily go with Carrie Underwood you know, mm-hmm. um, Casey Musgraves absolutely loved her. I've loved mm-hmm. her since she started, and so now her kind of like flowering. It's really it's massive. Really you know, I went to my wife and I went to the the C two C concert in March last year. Uh, the O two had a great time, but there were a lot of people. I think it was a three day event. And I was primarily there to see Emily Harris, mm. but a lot of people insisted on doing the whole thing. They were dressing up in the cowboy hats and the, the check shirts and the jeans and stuff. And we were telling some of our friends about it, and they were saying, yeah, if you're going to go and see country music, you've got to, you've got to dress up, haven't you? <laughs> I was like, um, for me, not so much. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of there for the music, but am I missing the point? I went to one of those things years ago at, uh, I mean, before it was it had a title. It was sort of just American country music comes to Wembley Arena. And this was back in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, with with a friend of mine who was the only country music person that I knew. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was about half to three quarters full. They'd taken the seats out so you could just stand and mill around and everything. And it went on all day. It was like, you know, country stock. And the only thing that I remember was like the most country moment I've ever seen in my life. Somebody came out I think it might have been Furlan Husky, but I'm not sure. But it was somebody along those lines who had been great and had done some great stuff, but was a bit on the, on the downs. And he, he sang a few songs, and uh, then he brought out his his wife, and her name was yes, her name was Kimmy Rhodes. I remember Kimmy Rhodes. So it might not have been Furley Husky, but it was definitely Kimmy Rhodes. She was small and she petite, and she had a country, you know, the, the cowboy thing and everything. Mm-hmm. And they sang a couple of uh, songs together. This is that's completely unremarkable. Then she walked over to him and slapped him across the face and walked off. I don't know what was going on. It was like something was going on. And and that was, it was great. And he just, oh, the little lady and, and just broke into another song. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know what was going on, but I thought that was the most marvelous country moment I've ever seen because he had done her wrong in some yeah. way, shape or form. That's what you get when you're on a tour bus 24-7. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That intensity. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a thing for me about that country is in, inherently theatrical, and that might be connected to what, what you were Yeah, you it's were so asking. emotional. Yes, and it's it's very performed, it's very performative, yeah. and um, it's got very clear narratives, and it, and it plays up to itself and all of that. And of course, you know, I, I, I loved that. And maybe I never quite got that about with, with Dylan. I mean, it's easy to but see did, that with What Dylan. about Dylan's country stuff? Yes, so then, uh, yeah, so then I made myself explore Dylan country stuff and I was like it's not emotional enough for me it doesn't make me cry mm. so that's a question for me is like what Dylan songs will make me cry because none of them have ever done I with him singing away? them no? I don't know this is great oh, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll I mean, work uh, it out I was listening to the, the new self, another self-portrait today mm. just for my own enjoyment and uh, it's very emotional right, right? It's, yeah, yeah. A, it's just I mean people hated it when it came out yeah. if you really listen to it properly he invests all those things even, even Blue Moon you know, even a old corny kind mm-hmm. of classic. Mm-hmm. 
And everything on Nashville Skyline. And I threw it all away is one of the saddest songs yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I really, I need to kind of, because it's funny how I just was like, I don't buy it, but I can see what he's, I can see what he's doing, but I don't buy it. And then some of the things that I've listened to in the last few years, I was intrigued by that. When was it? It was only a couple of years ago when he did that that sort of cover version of He's Funny That Way for the gay yeah. marriage yeah. thing. Yeah. And so I was sort of aware of that, mm. you know, in a cliched way. And I was like, oh, this will be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, why, why are you doing this? And then instead, I was like, oh, that's quite nice. That's it quite is quite nice. Thing. And it's to date his most recent recording, I think. Right, is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But also, there's, I mean, with the emotive mm. side yeah. of his music, there's, I think, a way in sometimes is, is, is through covers. I mean, you mentioned Wrecking Ball. There's a mm. fab... Fabulous cover on that Emily Harris album of Every Grain of Sand, which I find very moving. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. If you ever see me weeping on a train in the small hours at the moment, I'm probably listening to Marianne Faithful singing It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, yeah. which is yeah, which from the, the album from last year, right. which just sounds like the that, end of the world. Who do I know sing the song? This is, this is, this yeah, well, lots same. of people. I mean, yes. them with Van Morrison did it. Um, and Marianne Faithful did it actually mm-hmm. again, but this most recent version that she did, oh, someone sent me, and it just uh, Stephen, if you're if listening, and it just <laughs> is the most moving thing I've heard for months. It just tears me to pieces. Yeah. I mean, I recommend you listen yes, to it, but no, don't no. do it on a train. Don't do it in public. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and as a so as a performer. Do you think? Do you think he's really sophisticated as a performer? Do you think he's sort of playing with all these different kind of levels of and personas, and so he's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's going to be a a film finally of the Rolling Thunder tour in 1975. And he was playing with performance all the way through that. You know, he was in white face and lots of mascara and the weird hats. Because the hats in themselves are, you know, a performance each time. You know, like these weird, I don't know if you've seen what he's wearing. Yes, I know. Boleros and... It's all a performance. Uh, that that's we had somebody else who said that Dylan uh, inhabits his performances mm-hmm. as opposed to th- he, this particular person felt that Bowie was trying to find out who he was, but that Dylan knew who he was. He was this person at this time, and then put it. I have to say, I haven't found. I find his stuff kind of frightening. The last twenty years or so, I find more frightening than than moving, and frightening in a kind of a good way, in mm-hmm. that like he's aware of. The the universe. It's more about the universe than thing than little things like, will I be loved? <laughs> yes. Well, yes. even out, 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 also outside yeah. his music. I mean, the greatest performance I think Dylan ever gave was the one from most of the eighties and nineties, where was a, a rock star who didn't give a shit mm-hmm. and who lost all will. <laughs> to live or exist in any real sense. And then he thought, well, he's had it. And he'd read an interview and you'd see just how vibrant and alive his mind was. And you'd think, well, this is all a performance, this this guy at the airport with a hood who who can't really string a sentence together. It's all a performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's just to alienate himself, I guess, and get people off his back. I, yeah, and I, I mean, I am really, really fascinated by that. Mm. And, the you know, the, also alienating people and scaring people and you know all these things is really fantastic thing to, thing to do and especially in an age of us all being very desperate to please yeah. um, but also that notion of everything being performance mm. is very you know and that's definitely where my work is at, at the moment um, sure. you know that that idea of um, of hidden performance and, and secret performance and all that kind of thing so not without like going right we will be performing in five minutes mm-hmm. now we are performing so mm-hmm. everyone knows what's going on it's yeah. like it's so refreshing I think but I was just thinking this morning I actually had I was telling Luke I had a dream about this uh, about Bob Dylan last night <laughs> and uh, 
I, I, then when I woke up, I, th- I thought – this thing came into my head. The, uh, there was this fairly well-known interview when he was doing Hearts of Fire, the thing terrible film with uh, Richard yes. Everett. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the BBC interviewed him in his little caravan and he tore the reporter apart basically. He let him a merry dance but basically just left him sort of steaming by the side of the road. Then he went outside and it was, it was being filmed in Canada. It was in this, they were parked in this parking lot in Toronto. And the local kids came around and he sort of gave them autographs. And this big burly guy who looked like he'd stepped out of Altamont. He looked like a kind of, he looked like he'd been to Altamont. He had long white, he looked like Grizzly Adams. Right, yeah. And so long white hair, big, big old beard, big old pot belly, and he just sort of came up to him and just said, I love you, man, and, and, and gave him a big hug, gave Bob Dylan a hug without any of this sitting around asking Bob Dylan about mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And at least that's how I remember it. I have to go back and look at it again, but I, I, I think that's what happens. In the, or maybe it was just in my dream. But I thought this, he was treating Bob Dylan like a human being. It's just sort of like, boom, which, which hardly ever happens to people who don't know Dylan. I'm sure he's got his intimate friends yeah, that treat yeah. him like a human being. But most other people don't. But that notion of him being this kind of like untouchable figure, I mean, of course he's going to play up to that if he's, got, if he's a, <laughs> in any way sensible and, mm. you know, not insane. Well, who would want but, that? You know, yeah, all the, all the time, yeah. I mean, we, we in the early 21st century, I think we have quite a fairly solid understanding of what fame can do to people but when he started there was no there was no notion particularly not if you're by yourself unlike the Beatles you know there was yeah, yeah. no no way of planning I mean Elvis Presley I don't think understood it either just of, of knowing what would happen in the eye of that particular storm um, it seems to me entirely natural to want to get people off your back and pretend to be someone else all the time yeah so tell me about the, the uh, CD that I def- that I own because I really like it which is the Christmas album which oh. is somebody gave it me, and I was like, this is going to be really, what's going on? Actually, I really loved it. Well, let's give that some time, because there's, there's only one of you, or maybe two of you I in know, the world. But maybe that's being, I'm being contrary. But, um, but, I'm, but I'm not, because I thought, oh, what's going on? And then, and actually I was like, this is what we should do with Christmas. Is he, is this, is he just undercutting everything about Christmas? I don't I like, must, is, is the big song Must Be Christmas? Be must Christmas? be Santa. Santa. Must be Santa. Yeah. That I liked and I loved the mm. video. And yeah. the, I'm not a big Christmas carol person. Yeah, I'm not yeah, a big yeah. Christmas song guy. So uh, to me, and then I, I heard, I think it was, uh, was it a little town of Bethlehem? Yeah, there's, is that the one with the children's choir on there was, a lot? I, I, honestly, I've not at, listened to these songs. At, at, that, sorry, you at that point, decade. I just turned it off. I've never listened to it again. But I, but I really like my. I love doing Christmas shows, and I love sort of like undercutting it, but not in not trying too hard to undercut it. Because yeah. that, with that sentimentality, and then playing with sentimentality, but do you think he was undercutting it? I don't know. I but that's what's I so think weird. So. But that's what's so weird about it. But like, you you don't have that many children singing on a, on a thing without make, making a point. You just don't know, do you? I it's mean, not I, casual. No. It was, I think it was 2009 when that came out, and I remember about three years before when he was doing the radio show, when he was doing Theme Time Radio Hour, mm. he had a Christmas-themed episode, and he played a song by a band called Brave Combo called Must Be Santa. Right. And I'd never heard it before. Um, I went and bought it on iTunes afterwards because me and my then little son really enjoyed listening to it in the car. And then when he announced that he was doing this Christmas album and the track listing came out before the album did and it said he's doing Must Be Santa and I thought, yeah, I well, that. it can't be the same song. <laughs> he, he hasn't got oh, the energy to do that. <laughs> he'd, he'd fall over, he'd collapse, there's no way. And yes, sure enough, there it is, note for note, pretty much the same performance. Yeah. And, and my son, who was a bit older, walked in when I was playing it once and he said, Daddy, is Bob Dylan ill? Because <laughs> <laughs> he just, he sounded so, so appalling. <laughs> 
I don't know. Maybe there are there are riches in this album that I need to go and experience again. Oh, he does have a really good sense of irony, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and he's also like I've heard all the theme time. Have you heard the theme time radio hour? Uh, no, I was reading about it to, um, like today. Mm. To be honest, so I no, it totally passed it me by. But I was reading about it and I was like, this sounds great. It, they're all. Kerry pointed out to me they're all available as a podcast. Right. Yeah, they're all on, yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. get them for free on on the Apple Podcast. Mm, yeah. um, it's great, but the, and one of the things is that he does all the th- great themes, uh, mothers, fathers, mm. and then he does uh, marriage, he does divorce, and you know, he was famously married and famously divorced, but it's, it's all like it's happening to somebody else. Like, every everything is sort of... But mm. there's one, my favorite moment of the, the theme time radio, I, I don't know when it happens, is... I think occasionally he gets he takes letters and sometimes they're real letters and sometimes they're fake. Mm. Uh, you are ever real. Well, <laughs> well, well sure. there was one. Maybe. Maybe. There was yes, he believes it. <laughs> I believe in don't ruin it. Yes. Santa. <laughs> yes. But anyway, there was one that he, real or fake. It was sort of um, I'm having trouble sort of finding some meaning in uh, my life. Mm. Bob, can you help me? And. Bob, in his, you know, Bob Dylan voice, sort of said, you should do charity work. You should go out and work with other people and get your mind off yourself. Mm-hmm. And he, it was one of his longest, it became a kind of a, a really heartfelt missive mm-hmm. to the public. It was like, it was like he was off script. And uh, unless I'm dreaming it, you're looking at one of your Bob Dylan I don't know. I, I, I do mean, remember him, him saying that, and I ago. thought that that's another side of Bob I would have yeah. never have guessed. No. Has he been doing secret charity work? That Maybe. Was, that, now there's a sitcom. This week, Bob tries. Well, have you heard about? You know, Bob was developing a sitcom for HBO. At no. Yes, Absolutely. apparently he was popping with, up. But let's just hope he's doing. You know, um, I'm watching. You know, the sex trafficked choir <laughs> directed by you know. Did I you just say know. the sex trafficked? I just made that choir. up. I was just thinking it's a choir made up of people who've been sex trafficked into the country <laughs> with the with the conductor Bob Dylan. That would be great. It's that would become a really so surreal writers' meeting. <laughs> yeah, it's this just is uh, our dream podcast. Isn't it? Yeah, in so many yes. ways. Yes, you're not asleep. It's a real, <laughs> a real podcast. I think you should give him a call. Yeah, go with this. To, uh, we just need to. I think we need to put you spark. and Bob in the same room. I yeah. Think. yeah, but it's got to be about the power of voluntary work and getting outside yourself. Yes, I would like to see you and him working in a charity shop on the high street. Yeah, <laughs> a Christmas soup kitchen. A Christmas time. Yes, a Christmas with with the children's choir. It's got to have a choir. So, have you kept up with him? I mean. I don't mean on a personal level. I mean on a. Does he not return your letters or anything? <laughs> no, we, you know, we Skype. But do you, do, you, do you follow his latest stuff? Have you seen no. his Great American Standards? And no, do you know um, he's. I w- so I mean, I w- he's funny that way. Is one yes, of them, one of yes, yeah. That's so that was so uh, that did send me in a little kind of spiral um, into w- watching all those. And like you say, I think I was like. That seems to be a real sort of honesty and connection with these, mm-hmm. with these, with these um, songs. And then, like, then I then it sent me all the way back to when be, before he started doing his own material, like way way back at the begin, beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is an amazing through line. Mm-hmm. And then and then I stopped being interested in him again. But um, but I definitely did that because but that is that's quite fascinating, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because he's not like he came out with a collection of his own, you know, amazing, 15 amazing songs. No, no, far from it. I mean, yeah. he was, when he was about 20 or even possibly younger, he was just covering a lot of a lot of songs that he'd picked up and seemed very, for was a while... Woody Guthrie? Yeah, very much. Stuff, and actually, yeah. there's, there's a period of recordings from before he'd ever heard Woody Guthrie oh. where he just wants to sound like 
Little Richard and then Buddy Holly, pretty much, and yeah. then Buddy Guthrie sort of changed it. But he's trying to be an old grizzled blues man, and mm. he's 20, yeah, yeah. you know, and then he writes the songs. And somebody was saying on Twitter today, somebody who was listening to folk music and was listening to Where Have All the Flowers Gone? And that was the standard of folk mm. songs and a hard rain's going to fall mm. drops in your lap. Imagine, <laughs> imagine. Being, it's like a big yeah, dinosaur yeah. killing Bambi, yeah. Yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's... Do you, uh, yeah, I'd love to um, think that music could be that important. <laughs> and I love... I love modern pop music. You know, I still really listen to a lot of it. But I really struggle with the notion that that, that we would go, oh my god, have you heard this thing? Yeah, you know, do people? I mean, I'm guessing. Just just oh. I don't know, but I know that some. I was in a taxi today, and and the uh, taxi driver was listening to modern pop music, mm. and I just put on my earphones, and, and that's when I was listening to another self-portrait, and I thought yeah, yeah. I'd rather be in that world mm. uh, than in, than in the modern world. But then that's just. Me. I mean, was there anything that you, uh, Christopher, any Dylan stuff that that you can think of that really did put you off? I mean, you you said that. I mean, his mm. songs, because you said that you were put off by the fact that yes, his he had this troubled marriage, and apparently there was. And this is, but this is that thing that I think I, I was intrigued by with him is that um, you sort of absorb you absorb this this cultural baggage with some people don't you don't you and mm. i was absolutely guilty of of that mm. um and not and not really questioning it um and so i think then it became that's i don't know what the proper psychological term is but there's a sort of the loop of self-confirmation so mm, when i would yeah. sort of hear bits or someone would say oh have you heard the, you know this is a really great song i'd like well he just sounds like a pompous old white man to yeah. me yeah. um do, do you know what i yeah. mean yeah and yeah. then so any Anything in which, and, and and so anything emotional, for example, I'd be like, well, boo-hoo, your life's terrible. Do you know what I mean? It sort of like becomes that, that sure, loop absolutely. of yeah. where you can't, you know, it's very hard to, to break it. So I would say the answer to your question is, yeah, virtually everything for, for like 20 years, mm. you know. And, um, and, that, and that's a shame. And I love kind of having sort of slightly broken through and then wanting to, to go further. And, you know, I'd love to, I don't, it's not really what I do at this stage in my performing but I'd love to do you know what Bob Younger does and maybe one day do a collection of songs and then and definitely sort of go this is a song I used to have a problem with but now I realise it's actually really really mm-hmm. great do you, know, do you know what I mean yeah. because because we should it seems to me and this is a massive overstatement but we, we're, we're now encouraged to go through life going don't like don't like like don't like mm-hmm. don't like like and that we've, there's got to be a lot more than that where we go I don't like but why why do I not like that? And start, we sort of start to unpick it. We've become very binary, haven't we? There's not much not not room for nuance, to. you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think I went to a gallery in um, in Tasmania, and they give you a sort of like iPad-y thing, and you literally go around going like, what with each like, picture? With <laughs> each oh, piece God. of work, not yeah. like. And then I did it for about five minutes because I was told to, and then I was like. No, no, but I'm, but no, <laughs> it's got to move. Let's move beyond liking and not liking. No, exactly. Being like you say, being being what was the word you used? Being scared, you know, or being confronted by yeah. twenty years of of work. That's great. Mm. You know, it's not easy, but it's but uh, but it's a very rich state instead of. I mean, Dylan is the perfect one to sort of change your mind about because mm. his stuff is so generally oblique. Mm. Um, l- l- yesterday, I looked again at uh, a series of dreams. I don't know if you know 
that's all. It, because I have been dreaming about yes, Bob Dylan. Have had because I've had this, been doing this podcast, and it's it's you know affecting my subconscious. Mm. And uh, so I thought I would look at series of dreams, the song, as I was having a series of dreams about Bob Dylan. Yeah. And it was a song that I thought I knew, but uh, it turns out I didn't know it at all. I've I've heard it dozens of times, but just looking at the words of it, uh, there's a line um, into the path you are thrown, and I. Th- I've always had a picture of somebody being thrown into a path, but I thought it it, it works on many different levels. Like who's doing the throwing? Hurled. What? Is it, hurled yeah, into yeah, the yeah, path. Yeah. Uh, is it into the path you are hurled? Yeah, because it rhymes with world. Yeah. <laughs> okay, into the path you are hurled, which of course is an <clears throat> even even better. And but what is the path? What was his path? Was it? And was it in the path? I always see him as being about to be be trampled by horses or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it just. Every single I looked through that. It took me like half an hour to look at the, this song, and I still didn't understand it any better. But it was it was a, it was a great. You can do that with Dylan. You, yeah, you can't do that with you know a, a pop song. You it can be very moving up to a point, but it, it's not. But generally you complex. that's why there have been so many cover versions, and that's yes, yeah. I and mean, I think it's why the work lasts as well because yes. you can't go like don't like yes. Yeah, yeah. You can go, I'll come back to this when I'm Maybe they'll understand it. Yeah, yeah. And that's I mean and that's why yeah, my my way in has definitely been through two cover versions. And um and that is the mark of an of, of a really amazing yeah. writer. Were there any other cover versions that you remember that being particularly um, formative? Yes. Boots the Spanish Leather. That's because again, it took me ages to work out that, that was a Dylan song. Oh really? Yeah. Because I first heard it with through Nancy Griffith oh, yeah. from her Other Voices, Other Rooms yeah. project, which I yeah. which I loved, and that led me into all sorts of uh, songwriters like John Prine and you know a whole whole load of, mm. of of really amazing people, and I really loved that song. And then I was like, oh no, it's by Bob Dylan. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Why He's does this everywhere. keep happening? And then, and, and I do remember that, like then going and then listening to his to to his version of it and going, yeah. no, you see. And then, and that is a song. You know, you have songs. You know, when you're walking on your own and it's a bit, you're a bit quiet, and you sort of have songs that comfort you. Mm. Do you know? Do yeah, you know what sure. I mean? You sort yeah. of like, you kind of go back to them and you sort of half sing it as you're walking along, and that's one of mine. And I'm like, maybe it'll turn out differently this time. <laughs> oh, I know. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe, you do want it to. Yeah. yeah. There's Just, a version, and uh, forgive me if I've spoken about this on a podcast before, but <laughs> um, there's a version of Boot to Spanish Leather where he, he introduces it by saying this is one of those songs about you never get what you want. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing. But, uh, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting way of looking at the song. And then I listened to the song with that playing in my head, and it all became this very moving thing about the fact that he wanted this woman not to go and she kept saying is there mm. anything I can send you I'm, yeah. I'm going um, would you like this can I get you this and no there's there's nothing you can send me my own true love just 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 come back mm. and then as the song progresses you realise that she's not coming back and when she does come back the relationship is dead and he sort of starts to accept that as the song goes on and then kind of ends it with a joke and says well if you are really leaving um bring me back some boots, mm. you know, to kick me out of your life with. Mm. And it's this awful, bittersweet 
kind of punchline, but it's so moving. Maybe yeah. I'm getting old and and weepy, but no, no, but really. that it, that always hit me in, in that way. Yeah, in that, in that kind of thing of um, I really remember res- it resonating with me emotionally, and sort of like you know times when my my dad would like say, "I'll take you out and buy you something," and I was like, "Well, you might as well because you know, do yeah. you know what I mean? yeah, and I really remember it's like, yeah, well, all right, you can, yes. And that notion that actually, when we're very, very depressed and, and very, very sad and we're missing something, nothing will take the place. And somebody saying, is there something I can get you? Yeah. Well, no, actually, not that we'll fill this void. No, thanks no, for asking. No, thanks. But, you know, go on then. Yeah. On anything, randomly. Yeah. And then yeah. I can take it back. Exactly. Back. <laughs> yeah, but give me the receipt. That's yes. what it should have said. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll have a pair of boots of Spanish leather, but <laughs> yes. can you just give me the receipt? <laughs> Swap. That didn't scam, though. I don't know. <laughs> But it, it, yeah, so that I mean that's that's a, another example of it, and a great singer to in, to interpret it and pull something out that I could could relate to, and maybe yeah, there maybe there are there are people that um, make the song slightly less problematic, um, mm. and that's that's also fine in, in as well. I think. What other what other yeah. covers do you have? Um, uh, I've just printed out all the words to the answer. My friend um, is blowing in the wind in oh. German, <laughs> which I got very carried away with. If you and Bob Younger don't record this before the year's out, I'll take it, I'll take it personally. As Marlena Dietrich, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think we're going to wrap it up, uh, yes. uh, Christopher, unless you've got um, yeah, a final uh, Marlena Dietrich you want to uh, give us or... <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, no, but I did. Um, well, because... Or the, Tina C. Oh, I, we could, yeah. Uh, what would Tina do? Now, I, um, I, I definitely um, was very influenced by that. And I did I did start learning German when I was like 20 or something. I think it was, you know, college. And then and they said, why does everybody want to learn German? And everybody went, um, you know, because we're going to Germany. Well, my aunt is German. And I was like, I really like Marlene Dietrich songs as arranged by Burt Bacharach. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to understand them. And literally, I remember the teacher going, Say what now? <laughs> because I really did. It's different. Because, like, she did all sorts of, she did, like, a puff, the Salpertachen, lead I was like, This is amazing. All these kind of counter revolutionary, <laughs> counter culture songs. <laughs> but sung, arranged by Burbacher, it's genius. Anyway, so no. Thank you, Christopher Green. <laughs> is it rolling, Bob? Talking Dylan is recorded in the Betty Davis Suite at Lip Sync Studios. Engineered by Mark Langley-Smith and produced by Robin Guise. We're on Twitter at IsItRollingPod. Music is by Sam Hare. Well, it's always been my nature to take chances. My right hand drawing back while my left hand advances. Where the current is strong and the monkey dances to the tune of a concertina. <laughs>